I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, clever friends. If you'll be in New York City this month for Design Week, I want you to come to the Emerging Designer Showcase. It's at the Javits Center during ICFF on the main stage, Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. Think of it kind of like lightning round mini critiques plus professional speed dating all rolled into one. And it's genuinely entertaining. Here's how it works. On stage, five rising design talents will each present their work to a group of illustrious industry professionals for real talk advice and critical feedback. And for better or worse, this all happens in front of a live audience. We've hand-selected a phenomenal group of designers for this year's show, and we have a star-studded lineup of very discerning industry pros who will be up there with them. The Emerging Designer Showcase is presented with media partners Clever, that's us, and Design Milk, and with support from American Standard and Lumens. Again, that's Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. at ICFF at the Javits Center. You can register to attend for free at ICFF.com with our special promo code D-A-P-M-C-L-E-V-E-R. See you there. And at that point in time in the industry, there was kind of a stop in hiring young talent. In the beginning of March, I started to work in an it was an internet company. I don't know if you remember at that time. It was a big, successful market. Still at that time. It changed in, at that year, actually. <laughs> but at that time, uh, I thought this might be something interesting where I want to learn something. And then after a couple of months working there, I got a phone call from someone at BMW. And she asked me if I would like to come for an interview. So I felt really comfortable at that other company and then I talked to the boss there and I just, you know, I was open there and discussed, so what shall I do? Because I, you know, I left the job here. And then he said, you know, there was a reason why you studied that what you did and you just should be sure that what you studied is that what you're feeling right in your heart. And then again, I said, okay, but then there's just one option. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Amy. I'm Jamie and this is Clever. Today we're talking to car designer Oliver Heilmer. Oliver was born and raised in Munich, Germany and knew from a very young age that he wanted to design cars. He studied industrial design and then automotive design at the University of Applied Sciences in Germany. Not long after graduation, he landed a dream job with the BMW Group and has been there ever since. 
As a member of the interior design team, he worked on the BMW 5 Series, and in 2013, he was appointed Head of Interior Design at BMW. In 2016, he moved to Los Angeles to take over as President of DesignWorks, BMW's global creative consultancy. And now, as of 2017, he is the Head of Mini Design, and we know people are fanatical about their minis. Just a quick note about the audio in this episode. We had some last minute technical complications, so we had to pinch hit and record over a mobile phone. The audio quality is a bit challenging at times, but considering he's located in Germany with the distance and time difference, we're just happy we got to talk to him at all. So let's talk to Oliver. My name is Oliver Heimer. I'm living in Munich and I am head of the mini design studio because I love design. So let's start at the very beginning. I would love to know what your childhood was like. Did you grow up in Munich or outside of Munich? What was your family like? What kind of a kid were you? Yeah, I was born in Munich and I grew up in Munich, partially in Munich. And the summer breaks, I spent a lot of time at the farm for my grandma, which is close to Munich let's say 100 kilometers away. So this was a nice contrast to the, to, let's say, to the city. Really interesting. So I got in touch with, you know, animals, but as well, big machines and mm. everything. What is, what do you know from, uh, from a farm life? Yeah, I, I'm imagining I can kind of see the influence of machine in nature synthesizing in your young brain. Right. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, the tractors were always fascinating to me. Everything around these big machines was, I don't know, this was something really special, you know, all the screws, the wheels, and the sound of the machine, honestly, the smell mm. of the oil. And it's still something that I still can remember that smell. There's an honesty to how they work, too. I mean, a lot of their mechanisms are very exposed and transparent, right. so you can see what they're meant to do and how they're doing it. Absolutely, yeah. Every, everything is built to be able to to remove it quickly, you know, to repair things easily. Everything is, that's the purpose of the machine, and that's what I like a lot. Everything is easy to access. So how did your specific creativity start to manifest in your youth? started quite early, actually, just because, you know, I, in, in every second, I remember I was drawing something, not necessarily cars, but um, mm. a lot of cars, I, honestly. But other things, <laughs> yeah. But that's something that never stopped in the entire lifetime. I was always drawing it, always drawing something, regardless where in, right? When I was, in a restaurant with my, my parents or with my mom, I was drawing on tissues, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, in, you know, in Germany, we do have this beer decker and a lot you know them, <laughs> little. Just out of curiosity, were you drawing representations of things that already existed or were you drawing things from your imagination that didn't exist yet? Both, actually. So I started with drawing things that, that existed already uh-huh. for exercise reasons. And that's something, it's an exercise, honestly, that I did as well in a university or before I started studying. So that's something that is crucial in order to, you know, being able to, to get the right proportions. It's sort of like learning to speak a language. Correct. So that's an exercise where you say, okay, 
you if you want to express something, you need to understand it in three dimensions. And for that reason, that's important. And then on the other hand, I always was drawing things just out of my, you know, fantasy. Many, mm -hmm. many different things, airplanes, honestly, mm -hmm. mostly technological things, mm -hmm. less animals, less humans. Mostly mm -hmm. machines, huh? Yeah, mostly machines. <laughs> But then I think the last two years in the school, I started to take some lessons in drawing human beings. This was, you know, a, a big push for me in that sense that I got a, a certain sense of, you know, showing the proportions that are in front of me. Not right or wrong, but mm -hmm. correct in that sense that it's that you see that this is a human being. I think it's it's really important. Yeah, definitely. It, it it forms a different part of your brain and it also affects how you see the world. Yeah, right. You mentioned drawing in, in school. Where did you study uh, for college? And, and what did you study? So actually, after my graduation of high school, I started to study in, in Munich. It was industrial design. So industrial design means not necessarily car design. So it's a quite broad in terms of what are you able to do later on, right? You can do a chair or a lamp or a coffee machine, whatever. And there's a, a big portion of being able to create things that are that you can industrialize later on. And when I started in, in Munich, I promised myself to apply for a university in Pforzheim, which is close to Stuttgart. I was quite happy actually in Munich, but I wanted to fulfill the promise I, I gave myself. So, um, in I think after three months, I, I went to Pforzheim. So, you you have to send a portfolio. The portfolio is necessary being invited, right, for the mm -hmm. for the test. Actually, it's a test if you are eligible to to study at that school or not. Yes, it was quite a, a high level. And I remember the test, it was really, the test was really challenging in that sense, right? Mm -hmm. I think it started in the morning and then later in the night, so we, we were just waiting for for our results. And then I I was qualified. And at that night, I decided to move to Portland. But I think two and a half months later in March, I, I started again in the first semester in Portland. And it was transportation design. And transportation design, it's basically the first four semesters are the same as industrial design. So there's no difference. After the fourth semester, you do have, let's say, a specialized qualification in terms of doing things that move mostly cars, but could be as well, you know, trains or whatever, buses, oh. whatever you like. Yeah. This is the place where I did my diploma in 2000 and as a diploma we did together with a, a colleague in the in the university we did a, a boat a big boat because we said when we are going to a car company later on that's maybe the last time where we're able to do something different than just car <laughs> so we decided to build a boat and we had the chance to do this diploma together with bmw so bmw already sponsored our project which was you know, really helpful. In well, they were investing in their future, I see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so you yeah, already knew that you were going to go into automotive design. 
Yeah, this was pretty clear. Okay. I was trying to remember yesterday when, when this, when the first time, when was the first time I was thinking about that? And I think it was, I was about 12 to 14 years, something like that, where I was clear, automotive industry, I would like to design cars, nothing else. Wow. And yeah, and we are not a lot of designers, right? So it was quite exotic. To find a program that specifically was designed for someone like you who wanted to be an automotive designer, that's pretty rare. And it was somewhat close to where you were. Once you finished your degree or you graduated from that school, did you go right to BMW at that point? Uh, at that point, I think it was in March 2000. You know, I, from from my personality, I, I never wanted to sit down and wait for something, right? And at that point mm. in time, in the industry, there was kind of, uh, let's say, a stop in hiring young talent. In the beginning of March, I started to work in an, it was an internet company. I don't know if you remember at that time, it was a big, successful market still at that time. It changed in, at that year, actually. <laughs> but at that time, uh, I thought this might be something interesting where I want to learn something. And then after a couple of months working there, I got a phone call from someone at BMW and she asked me if I would like to come for an interview. So I felt really comfortable at that other company. And then I talked to the boss there and I just, you know, I was open there and discussed, so what shall I do? Because I, you know, I like the job here. And then he said, you know, there was a reason why you studied that or you did. And you just should be sure if, you know, so be sure that that what you studied is that what you're feeling right in your heart. And then again, I said, okay, but then there's just one option. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you had a supportive boss who encouraged you to to keep following your dream. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. (laughs) Right, yeah. And then in July, the same year, I started at BMW. It was really fast. Yeah. Did you feel right away like this is where I'm supposed to be? Like, did you feel like this was the job? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. From the first day, I got a project. The first project I got was creating virtual minis. And I did three minis. It was the Clubman, the Pickup, and the Cabriolet. Wow, full circle. I was so, yeah, it was fantastic. And I was able to go on a look and see or field trip for photo shootings. And I thought, okay, this is kind of paradise. <laughs> it's always like that. <laughs> Yeah, from the very first moment, I felt that this is this is perfect. Yeah, this is the right place to be. So I guess starting out at a new company and knowing that you wanted to be there, did you feel like you faced any any challenges in that? Were there any highlights for you or any really difficult challenges in, in getting adjusted? Yeah, so actually... Um, you know, the challenges, and I think that's maybe nothing special, is the challenge is after that project, I started to work on a, on a production project. And the way bringing your design approach, whatever it is, to that point where it is able to be industrialized, you know, this is, mm-hmm. that's something that is really challenging for someone that didn't learn that, right? Because mm-hmm. you are learning then a lot well, mm-hmm. from engineering, cost 
whatever. And so it's both. It's tough because your illusions you had before are kind of facing with reality. But on yeah. the other hand, you're learning a lot. There's a big push in terms of the knowledge you're gaining at the time. Yeah, so you're on a steep learning curve, but you're also having to adjust all of your fantasies to fit in the practical world. <laughs> that right, does sound yeah. like a real growth yeah. period. <laughs> right. right, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, with design, when you're in school, you kind of design whatever you want. And then when you start really doing industrial design or design for the real world, you realize there's budgets and constraints yeah. <laughs> and so many other things kind of right. coming at you and, and you have to juggle all of these things and yeah, still yeah. make something that works and something that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, um, looking back, it wasn't fantastic, fantastic experience, right? And as a designer, anyway, you need to you need to deal with a sentence like, "Okay, this doesn't work." And still today, I say, "This doesn't exist. It doesn't work. Doesn't exist." It's more like, "How can we do that?" <laughs> but you know, as a young designer, sometimes you say, "Okay, then yeah, yeah, I'm sad, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I tried it." If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Clever is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. A recent episode took Brad to Venice, where he connected with Eve Ubelman, a partner whose company, Econem, has developed a game-changing technique for creating digital architectural models so comprehensive they've been dubbed twins. During the relative quiet of the pandemic, Eve and his team used drone-captured photography and powerful AI to create a full-scale digital twin of Venice, a city threatened by climate change and over-tourism. On Tools and Weapons, Eve tells Brad how he's using this incredible technology to help preserve some of the world's most endangered cultural heritage sites in pristine detail so they can be studied and appreciated for generations to come. To stay current on some of the most innovative people working with AI today, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith 
wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, clever listeners, we're getting excited for New York Design Week in May. This year will be better than ever. ICFF, North America's leading platform for contemporary design, will take place from May 19th to the 21st at the Javits Center in New York City. I'll be there, and I'm excited to let you know how Clever is collaborating with ICFF for Launchpad at Wanted, formerly known as Wanted Design Manhattan, and the Emerging Designer Showcase. Launchpad is an international platform for emerging designers that introduces new concepts and showcases prototypes of furniture, home accessories, and lighting. It is the best place for manufacturers to meet new designers, discover fresh ideas, and potential products to develop. The best of Launchpad winners will be selected by a jury of renowned industry professionals, led by yours truly. And they will go on to be featured in another edition of the popular Emerging Designers Showcase. I'll be leading the Emerging Designers Showcase live on the talk's main stage, where the five Launchpad finalists will have a chance to present their projects to our esteemed panel of professionals. It's always a really good time. So mark your calendars for Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. Both Launchpad and the Emerging Designer Showcase are presented with media partners Clever, that's us, and Design Milk, and with support from American Standard and Lumens. Visit icff.com to learn more and register to attend. Those are the letters icff.com. Come by and say hi. I would love to see you there. Support for Clever comes from Wix Studio. Instead of reading you another, let's be honest, boring ad script, Wix Studio just sent me this wild-looking Alice in Wonderland-themed website to scroll through and tell you about. So, whoa. This is not the web I'm used to. There's something called Mouse Parallax, which makes it feel like you can go deeper into the screen. And as I scroll down, it's like I'm falling down the rabbit hole. And things are moving in depth and perspective. Even my cursor has morphed into a glowing little orb. There are all these no-code animations that make this place feel organic and alive. And Alice is wearing some pretty cool shoes, by the way. Okay, I know I'm mixing up my narratives now, but we are definitely not in Kansas anymore. Your turn to go down the rabbit hole. Build your next web project on Wix Studio, the platform for agencies and enterprises. So you traveled through BMW, you were the, the head of interior design for a while, and now you, you're the head of mini design. Yeah. And I'm, I, obviously you've gathered a lot of experience in all the different capacities of, of the automobile group that you've been in. I'm wondering what your specific role entails now as the head of mini design. My function, I'm responsible for the entire product family from a design perspective. Mm-hmm. And looking into my job descriptions, it's quite diverse, right? So we're starting with strategy discussions together with sales and marketing and product managers, whatever. So this is the first part. And that's what I do like a lot because I do have the impression that I'm able to form the brand, right? And then on the other hand, I'm representing the brand, our customers. I'm representing the brand as well internally something that we should underestimate. And now at, you know, I started in September 
I'm more and more embracing the brand. I, I you know, I always had a connection to mini design, but working for mini is different and I'm embracing it more and more and I'm becoming mini somehow. I don't know um, how to explain <laughs> it. It's really, yeah, that's a transformation. I didn't imagine that this going to happen. And this is something that maybe is something special with mini. I don't know. <laughs> well, people are pretty zealous about that brand and maybe there's a reason for that. I'm interested in your transformation to becoming the brand, is it because the more you learn about it, the more you you know it and love it? Or why are you embracing it? That's a good question. What I'm really happy about within the brand is that it's Mini is something special. And Mini is something that it's less corporate, let's say it this way, than maybe another OEM, right? Another car company. Mm-hmm. Mini is always allowed to do something different they can be a little bit louder they are able to do things that other brands are not allowed to do the focus to uh, you know having or um staying an, an urban brand is something that i i totally feel somehow in myself so it matches to that what i would like to see or what i would like to experience from a brand right yeah you know, being diverse, this open-minded sense, whatever the community, you know, a lot of our customers, they love their cars because of its size, and because of being able to to customize it as they I would like to have it, right? And then there's something special, and that's a part of that what I understood uh, while, you know, starting to drive a Mini, is that, you know, this car is not, Big, but it's something special. That's what you feel when you drive it compared to other bigger cars, limousines. It costs maybe the same, <laughs> but it's something that just you as a, as the driver or as the customer, it's just you know. No one else knows yeah, that. There's right? an intimacy there. You're right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is special. And when I come, came into that team here, even the team is different. Uh, many more colors in our studio than in the rest of it. <laughs> so many little parts where it's very special. It sounds like yeah. the connection that Mini is known for is something that you are connecting to. like, And maybe yes. by virtue of designing for the vehicle, you're also designing for this kind of human connection that we all crave and is so universal. Yeah, right. So it's, it's, the, it's the personality of the brand. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of personality in Mini. I mean, every time I, I go to the auto show, there's always something fun and curious and exciting happening <laughs> with the Minis. Yeah, um, yeah. What really interests me a lot is just automotive design in general, because I talk to a lot of furniture designers and a lot of lighting designers, but they don't have the same challenges as an automotive designer. And I'm just really interested to know more about how, because there's so many factors that go into creating a vehicle, whether you're just tweaking it for the next generation or building something completely from scratch, there's safety technology, there's lead time, you know, and, and now there's all kinds of stuff you've got going on with mini like colors and personality and trends. How do you weigh all of this criteria 
as a designer? I mean, what's like the starting point? Where do you even begin? Starting point is always far, far away. So even though we know that we might already have a package, we call a package, let's say the basic criteria, right? So we do know the wheelbase, we do know where the engine is and so forth. So the, let's say the basic outline is more or less that what is already there. But even though we're starting with a vision for every new um, project, and together with marketing and many colleagues from the project, we are defining a character. So, and the character is that what we would like to, how we would like to see the car later on on the street. What is the, what should it express? That's always important, regardless if it's just a life cycle mm. impulse or if it's a new model or if it's something that we started from, you know, just with a blank piece of paper. So we don't make any difference there for our inspiration or for the vision. It's something that we say that it's, it's always important. We don't underestimate. And sometimes it happens that little things that we are changing in a life cycle impulse, they do have so much impact mm. that we didn't, what we didn't think about before, right, when we started a project. You know, all the all the factors we do have to keep in our minds that it's anyway a part of the process, but we are not getting tired through that process. Honestly, you know, that's a process depending on if you're doing an interior and exterior design, but it's a process over one and a half years, sometimes more, sometimes longer. And the important thing is that you never get tired during that process. You have mm-hmm. to be really creative in a different way during that phase, right? So if there is a technical mm-hmm. issue, you have to be creative finding something else and, you know, keeping the project on track on that what you initially wanted to have when you started with. Yeah, like maintaining the integrity throughout all of the challenges that present themselves. Right. Yeah, I get it. And, you know, as I'm hearing you say this, it sort of makes sense that it would be such a long relationship from conception to execution to delivery. When you think about us as consumers, we're going to have a long relationship with these vehicles. Right. Yeah. You, you want the details to be considered and nurtured and looked after by somebody who can maintain their degree of care and concern the whole way through. You, you mentioned that, you know, you start by defining the character Mm -hmm. and Character is something that's very easy to think about in human terms. And then I think about my own relationship with my car and it is very emotional (laughs) and intimate. So when you say you, when you say emotion is a big part of what you're working on with mini, I want to know exactly what you mean, because emotion is something that like we get very frustrated if people toy with our emotions. And at the same time, we really do have emotional connections to our car. So it's something that's really important to us. Where are you coming from with that? Yeah, actually, you know, designing a car today, and it's more important, honestly, in the future as well. It's not just, you know, drawing a line, defining a geometry or something. Actually, it's the, how you say, so we try to imagine the experience that a customer should have out of that product. So we are always thinking about the entire product, even though we are just doing design. But it's everything then later on, right? It's the smell, it's how the leather feels. 
and that's something really new and really important, let's say the brain of the car is getting more and more important and it's getting more and more personal with that in the future maybe as well. It's true. I've, I've driven dumb cars before and I like one with a sophisticated brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned something about the future and I'm, I'm interested to just pick your brain and hear more about your thoughts on the future of transportation and what you're excited about. So actually, at the moment, we are facing into a future where, you know, the technology is kind of groundbreaking, right? So we, mm-hmm. we are, we're going to get really groundbreaking enablers, technological enablers. It's mm-hmm. autonomous driving, it's the connectivity for sure, digitalization and electrification. Honestly, for a designer, it's like, you know, Christmas you think, wow, now we can really build the cars we have been drawn in university. That's what I thought. And this is kind of, you know, there's a pioneer oh. thinking when you're talking to colleagues uh, in the design. They're all really excited about being um, part of the future, creating this, this future in a different way, using those technological enablers in a way that no one has mentioned before. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to shift gears for a second and talk about you personally. Yep. I am wondering, you know, your your job is to be creative all day, every day. And yeah. how do you feed your creative spirit when you're not at work? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of um, things I try to do, honestly, but it's, it's, let's say it's limited, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Last year till September when I was in LA, I tried to see as much as possible on the weekends at least, right? As far as this is possible with, with a bigger family. This was a big inspiration to me at that time. Los Angeles, honestly, <laughs> everything there. We tried to travel as much as possible. For me, it's always how does inspiration work? I think that's something that is maybe something really personal, not personal, but it's you know, everyone uh, feels that differently. I'm getting inspired by cooking a meal that I don't know. But it's not like, okay, this color of the meal is the next color of the meal. Not not that way, but, you know, having influences from everywhere, from music, from smell, from, you know, a taste. This is something that, that helps me to, to stay fresh in that sense. And for sure, time with the family, you know, little kids, they are different. I'm seeing kids how they are experiencing things that as you know an adult you already know and you've learned to to deal with it differently. For instance, a puzzle, right? I that's something I, I discovered. My kids they are starting a puzzle with they first start to build a face. So, you know, if, if there's a puzzle of cats, they start with the face of the cat. Me as an adult Coming out of school, I'm starting with the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the difference. Yeah. Something where you can, you know, you know, when you're sensitive there, you can see a lot um, how different kids are thinking still. Yeah. Yeah. It helps me a lot. Yeah. I, I, I have a daughter and I watch her see things for the first time. And yeah. it's fascinating to hear... Yeah how she perceives new experiences. Absolutely. 
versus how I experience them, which is completely different, but it's, it yeah. is inspirational and it's exciting. It is. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then something else with my last position at DesignWorks, I was, you know, able to travel a lot. And I, I always enjoyed, for instance, being in Shanghai. Everything there was interesting to me, the culture, the food, the, the, the way how they work, how they live, the way how they um, commute from their home to the work. Everything is, is so new and therefore really inspiring to me. Yeah, I feel the same way when I travel. It's nice to get a reminder that there are a million different ways to do something. And they all have different pros and cons and a different set of parameters. And it's all fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's lots of new and exciting things you're working on. Do you want to share anything with us that might be coming out soon within the next year that you can actually talk about? <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of things we're working on, but <laughs> as you imagine, I know they're probably all top secret. But could you give us something? <laughs> you know, something that is they just made it's not you know it's it's not confidential, uh, right? Uh, Mini, so Mini is um, is getting sixty years next year, and that's something we are working on. We're you know try to find something for this anniversary. Yeah. That's all I can say at the moment, but it's something um, yeah. we're working on. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's exciting. 60 yeah, years. 60 years old yeah. and it's still young and sporty with yeah. a forward-thinking attitude. Absolutely. That's what I want to be like when I'm 60. <laughs> <Yeah>. Love it. <laughs> it's the, the anniversary, not just Mini, but as well the BMW group with 100 uh, years anniversary of the group. The message is always that we are looking into the future. So keeping keeping the past in, in our minds, but looking into the future and growing into even more modern approach than today. I love it. Do you have any URLs or social media handles you'd like to direct our listeners to so they can keep tabs on you specifically and Mini Design Group? So uh, what I do have is an Instagram account, Oliver.Heimer. Yeah, there you find, you're going to find me. You try to post as much as possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Must be hard to post when everything you do is top secret. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to us. We really enjoyed mm-hmm. hearing all of your, your thoughts and your insight. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it as well. A lot. Bye. Oh, I was really hoping for some juicy news, some top secret intel on what's going on over at mini but i guess we'll have to wait and see (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm fascinated by young boys who grow up looking at tractors and this imprint forms and they become i don't know obsessed with machinery and affecting the future of our machines Mm -hmm. i love that he like you knew he just Yeah, he just knew he was going to be an automobile designer. And I wish that tractor designer knew that he was influencing, he or she was influencing little boys everywhere. Wait, that just sounded so sexist, everything I just said. (laughs) Not just boys, girls like tractors too, Amy. I'm back in time. I'm back in the olden days. Um, (laughs) No, I guess what I mean is you design something for a certain use and you 
don't necessarily, can't possibly have a full grasp of all the wide-reaching implications that it can have. And a tractor that might be for sowing seeds or, or something like that can actually inspire somebody to become an automobile designer. I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. It's totally cool. And you never know like what's going to turn that light bulb on in your brain. Right. Or when that's going to happen. I mean, some people don't get it until in their 30s or 40s. Some people get it when they're five. Some people don't even realize that they have to reach out and like feel around for the switch. <laughs> right. <laughs> true, it's true. You can't just sit on the couch and wait for yeah. it to happen. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly, I am so like, I, I'm jealous, but I'm also fascinated by his sense of loyalty. I mean, he's been with the BMW group since 2000. I mean, that's, that's a long time to be with one company in this day and age. It's a little more old school, but I really respect that. And I'm thrilled for him that he found his dream job pretty much right out of school. From the company's perspective, I can totally see why attracting and retaining talent would be one, great for their bottom line, and two, really important to, these are, these are long-term design projects, right? These are things where you can't just pick up a new automobile designer out mm -hmm. of school and expect that they're going to know everything that he's learned over the last, you know, decade being with BMW Group. You have to groom and cultivate these designers to know everything they need to know about these vehicles. Mm -hmm. That means you're really investing in them for, they got to make it attractive for them to stay. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the life cycle of a car, I mean, I've, this is, I, I've heard that it's like seven years or something like that. And if you look at like, we get a new phone every two years, right? From, yeah. you know, Apple. So those designers are cranking out new things like regularly, whereas a, a car designer might be, you know, agonizing over small details for, for a long period of time. And there's a lot that goes into it. There's so many moving parts with a car um, that have to kind of come together. And that takes a long time, too. And not only that, but I was not lying about the relationship that we have with cars. I mean, I grew up in, mm -hmm. in Detroit, which is very auto-focused. But even though I'm not one who was really super familiar with all the latest models and all the politics that go on with cars, I know what it felt like to be in that green station wagon growing up. I know what it was like to get inside a warm car when it was freezing outside. I still remember the van that I had in high school and I love it and I miss it almost every day. And the van that I had <laughs> as recently as 10 years ago and I name my cars and I have, mm -hmm. I decorate them and I invite people into them like they're my guests. And, uh, and when I, when yeah, I lend my it, car to it, someone, I, I hope they take good care of it. Yeah, like my child. <laughs> I mean, it's not... Cheap. I mean, cars are expensive and we're in them a lot, especially when you live in the suburbs, you're always in your car going from place to place. And it, it is like an extension of you and your personality. And I think, you know, Mini is one of those brands that's that has like diehard fans because it is so expressive. Yeah, I do think the, there's really something to when he said defining the character, I was like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's like parenting right <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah 
people form like real connections yeah, with like, their vehicles. Totally. Yeah, I mean, and I think it is, like you said, emotional, because if you think about it, like high school, college, like those are formative years for you, right? So you always attach emotion to major events in your life, whether it's like prom or, you know, like your first car and you're so excited. There's like so much emotion going into all those experiences. And then you kind of attach them to the things that are around you, like your car. Absolutely. Or like a certain smell or a certain song, you know, and, and you make those those connections. But the, the great thing about cars is it's like a physical thing and you can still like go connect with well, it. It still and exists. for a teenager who doesn't live with a lot of public transportation, like in a metropolis, it's your freedom. It's your liberation. It's yeah. your way to go have the experiences and live the life that you need to, to become the person you're going to be. And for somebody who does live in a city, it's your ticket out of the city. It's, it's those road trips. It's those field trips. It's those excursions that show you the world outside of your city and it's all attached to a car and it's this mobile bubble of home and emotion that takes you places it's freaking awesome mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah go cars <laughs> soon they'll be taking us places we won't oh, be taking I them places know. i can't get my head there yet uh, <laughs> i can't either but man I'm going to be so stoked when nobody ever forgets to put their turn signal on because their car does it for them. Oh my God, I can't wait. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Clever on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and go to cleverpodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter, read the show notes and see images of Oliver's work. Connect with us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Clever Podcast. We seriously love hearing from you. This episode of Clever was edited by Ty Navaras and Alex Perez with music by L1011. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.